The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, the Renault Dealer of the Year and most Google-reviewed dealership in Ireland. For award-winning customer service you can trust, visit us today. Blackstone Motors, drive with peace of mind. 041-983-1100. You're very welcome to Monday Afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Nice to be back in the hot seat and I want to say a huge thank you to Joan Larkin who was simply brilliant last week. Thank you so much, Joan. Great week. Listeners enjoyed you immensely indeed. And you were a wonderful sit into this seat for me. Believe you me. Thanks again, Joe. Now we're into the Christmas run on late lunch. Two weeks to go till we break for the holiday season. And we have an interesting lineup for you on the show this afternoon. I want to begin with sport. And you know Mullignacta from Longford. Congratulations to them. Tiny little club won the Leinster Senior Championship yesterday. What an achievement. And what a wake-up call that should be for senior clubs in Loud and Mead. But don't mind the senior clubs for a minute. Let's talk about the wonderful junior grade and County Louth. And we have our own Mullignacta in, in the uh, smallest county in Ireland. Yes, they're in Dundalk, Young Ireland's. They are Leinster junior champions. Did you know that? They won on Saturday at the Gaelic Grounds. Before we talk to one of the main uh, characters involved with Young Ireland's, let's go back to Saturday and get a feel for those closing moments. Young Ireland's have it back now. They have to use this one cleverly. Down towards Dermot Moan. Pushing the back and Dermot Moan gets us free. Dermot Moan takes it quickly. The man in space is Derek Maguire. 45 metres out from the post. Taking on his man, Derek Maguire. Now can he put it over the crossbar? Goes with a quick one. Delivery in. Could be a chance here. Oh, goal! It's a goal! Edwin Sheiky has got the goal! He's right in the pocket there! Can you believe it? Sheiky with the goal to substitute! He made up one for the Young Ireland's. To the 97. He blasted it to the top goal of Sheiky. The pass to Derek Maguire. Sheiky has got the goal. Can you believe it? 297. Sheiky could be the hero. What a goal from Sheiky. Top corner of the net. Can you believe it, Stephen? Well, uh, we're uh, looking at an equalising point. Now we're looking at possibly the winning goal from Sheiky. 297 in injury time. Young Ireland's on the verge of victory here. Can't be too much more to be added. Derek Maguire is going to play the short free out of gets uh, finds uh, Mark Savage back to Derek Maguire once again Derek Maguire now decides to take it on himself needs support referee blows full time and there it is Young Ireland have won the Leicester Junior title in the most dramatic of circumstances Aidan Sheiky with a spectacular goal a minute from the end of the game touring the match on its head here in the closing stages they were trailing for so long it looked as if they had missed their opportunity they kicked seven wides some of them from very scoreable positions but uh, come at the hour come at the man Maguire was the man that went in the run sent it on as far as Aidan Sheiky he had goal in his mind top corner of the net Ah oh, yes, Colm Corrigan there, so excited and wouldn't you be with a goal like that late in the game to win it for the Irelands. What an achievement it's been, what a year it's been for the club as well. I'm joined by the man who's guiding the ship. Yes, their manager is on the line with me, Adrian O'Donoghue. Afternoon, Adrian. Good afternoon. <coughs> Good afternoon. <laughs> I have to, to apologise for my voice. <laughs> <laughs> Adrian, it's totally understandable. It's amazing you even can get a, a, a note out at all uh, this afternoon. What do you feel when you listen back to those uh, that goal and the closing moments there? It's 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 look, it's it's a fairy tale. It's 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 unbelievable. And listen, even that's the first time I really listened to it back uh, from Colm, and I heard his commentary was on unbelievable and added to the atmosphere and I suppose it reflected the atmosphere and the situation and, the, and that moment in time and I have to say it was unbelievable listening to it there incredibly proud and again 
column. You should nearly do it for a living. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Listen to me. I was reading all the, the follow-up from it and uh, the reaction to it. And one thing caught me in particular and what you said as manager. You said you found God with 15 minutes to go because you were five points down. It was looking bad. How did you find him? Where did he come from? <clears throat> well, in fairness, in fairness, there's a there's a good argument. A brother of mine, Gary, who's my assistant manager, on he's on the line. His his uh, initials is God. It's on it's on his uh, it's on his jersey. So he he'd argue that God's always fighting <laughs> on the sideline. So uh, no, I have to say, uh, you know, it's it's uh, and we have a get we have a uh, uh, we have a, a new in the background staff. We have a I call her a divine communicator, Catherine O'Callaghan. She she tends to light all the all the candles for us and say all the prayers. So we had a lot of, uh, I suppose, spiritual intervention in the last ten minutes. And, and I have to say, uh, when when a game. Uh, you feel is getting beyond you and you're a man down with five or six points down uh, with, with ten minutes to go, then let let me assure you, you'll try anything. <laughs> you'll, you'll, pray, you'll, you'll find anything to win the game. And, and uh, you know, I'm only delighted it happened the way it did because it was, a, it was a special moment. It was a special time. It was a fairy tale. Yeah, our fairy tale is right. And these are the moments, Adrian, that in sport you know, just uplifts us every time something like this happens. Now, it's been some year for the Irelanders. You're unbeaten, are you? Well, well... <clears throat> You've gone 20, well, many games, well, many yeah, games. Yeah, well, we, we, started, we started out at the very beginning, way back in uh, April, and we played Landlair, and we, we lost to Landlair in our very first game. It was a massive shock to the system because we were very well prepared and we expected to do really well. And in fairness to Landlair on the day, the better team won. Uh, but we were gathered ourselves and I have a wonderful bunch, a very special bunch of men that uh, never let defeat, uh, they know how to turn defeat into, into a positive thing and learn from that and push on. And we decided then that we were going to do everything, whatever it took, uh, to to go the year uh, and achieve our dreams and achieve our goals. Since then, we've, we've uh, I think, uh, on Sunday was our 20th game in a row winning and uh, it's not done. It's not done by fluke. It's not, uh, you know, it's not an accident. It's the hard work and the, uh, I suppose, the special commitment that these men have given to the club. It's a wonderful, wonderful record, and it just shows you from that day on the momentum started. You go on, you win the loud title, you go into Leinster. Now you're Leinster yeah. champions and heading into an All Ireland semi final. 1979, the Senior Championship yeah. winning team. Many tears were cried uh, at yeah. the Gaelic grounds on Saturday when <laughs> that cup was presented. Oh, absolutely. The emotion, the, and that's why we do it. I keep saying this, you know, we're, we're uh, a very small club. We're very closely knit, uh, you know, uh, in Dundalk. We've a lot of clubs in Dundalk. Uh, people would argue there's probably too many. But the reality is uh, you play for your club, you play for your family. Um, I'm a great believer that if your friends and your family is not your club, then you're in the wrong spot. You know what I mean? You're, you're, you're white there. And uh, on, on, I've never seen uh, the likes of the crowd. I've never seen likes of the, the reaction or the emotion. We've lots of people, lots of families, uh, lots of stalwart islanders. We've a proud history. And to be honest with you, I, I couldn't be more proud myself to be a part of that day uh, because it's been... I suppose it's been a, a, a justification and a reward for the players' commitment. And again, it's not done by mistake. We had a horrendously poor year last year, and we we bounced back from that. And the boys reacted to that well. And uh, you know, on the back of that horrible year last year, 
you, you know, they achieved this. And you know what? It's very special to be honest. With you. Oh, I, I know, I know. A Leinster title for a club is the most special thing I think ever because it is the bedrock and the roots of the GAA. Now, listen to this: you're going up against the Kerry champions in the semi-final in the new year, Beaufort. You've celebrated, I'm sure, over the weekend, yeah. and are going to have a more celebration coming to the yeah. Christmas. That game's a little bit away, isn't it? I think uh, the, the officials are not sort of defined or definite just yet, but it's about six weeks yeah. away, uh, which gives us loads of time to prepare uh, and uh, we gather ourselves and enjoy Christmas mm. and uh, prepare properly. And we will, for me, we will prepare. Uh, we will prepare for an All Iron final. Our goal at the very beginning of the year is to win an All Iron final. Mm. And a lot of, I suppose, a lot of people when they hear that in in January, probably threw their eyes up to heaven and and sort of went, look, this this is maybe a bridge too far, and maybe didn't believe that. But as the year progresses and you go eight games and beaten in ten games and fifteen games, and you win a league and then you win a championship, and obviously you win a Leinster. You know, each game our players and our, and the people within the club sort of believed it a little bit more and now they're fully confident for, and I believe it I think we'll win in All-Ireland I hope the Kerry team is, is training really hard if I was them I'd be training six or seven days a week to be honest with you because we'll be there and we'll be coming for them I love this attitude I really do love it and I did mel- mention the Longford Champions Mullignacta yesterday a yeah. tiny little club as well look what yeah. they've achieved at Senior look what you've done <clears throat> as well it, it, it's I'll belief isn't it, it? It's, it's listen it's it's it let you know if you go to the if you go to the the, uh, the highest levels in sport Leicester Ireland even Ireland mm. they defy the stereotype they don't listen to the nonsense of the put put the, the people that put you down and want to keep you down same at loud football I suppose in, in the in the national scheme thing I'm a great believer in don't let people keep you down and put you down uh, don't conform to the stereotype uh, it defy the stereotype. You know, at the end of the day, if you believe, if you get a group enough uh, people uh, uh, that believe enough in each other and, and want to achieve the same common goal and are willing to put the effort in, you're powerful. It's a powerful thing. It certainly is. Adrian, delighted to catch you for a few moments today and again shine the spotlight on your wonderful club, Dundalk well, Young Ireland. And fair pity, and I really appreciate it. And I, I would like to do that because our club, that's what we do for the family, our friends, that's what our players do for them. I want to give a quick uh, shout out to the DYI Wags and families because, <laughs> you know, uh, we're to get our friends and families and mothers and fathers and wives uh, support. We don't, we do it for that. It drives us, it inspires us and that's what we w- want to, uh, that's why we do it. Uh, and a big call out to my own wife, Julie, because at the end of the day, uh, for me, it's been a long and arduous year, but a very rewarding year without her by my side and Madeline and all our wives and all our, our family. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's a big, big team effort, is right. Adrian, looking forward to 2019, but enjoy the celebrations, the Christmas and the New Year. And congratulations again. Let me say it Dundalk, Young Irelanders, Leinster, <laughs> Football Champions 2018. Fantastic. Thank you, Thank Adrian. You. Take care. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's Adrian O'Donoghue there, manager. It is a great wee story. It really is, folks. If you want to get in touch with us on the show, 086-1800-658 by text or WhatsApp. I just want to mention the best Christmas pudding in the North East. Sinead, the hampers arrived. The big, big hamper for the winner. I saw it. Sinead wanted to smuggle it out the front door. I had to stop her, to be honest with you. So, look, I have Fidel McKeough's pudding. It's in already. The pudding is here already. Thank you, Fidelma. We're minding it closely. 
we need your puddings in by tomorrow week that's the 18th they'll be judged on the Thursday that's the 20th by our women with opinions and we'll announce the winner then so we need your puddings in by next Tuesday the 18th send them to us we promise you we'll taste them we'll shortlist them and we'll pick a winner and we've a fabulous hamper uh, this year again for late lunch LMFM best Christmas pudding in the North East we're heading to our first break now of the afternoon The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, your local Renault selection dealer. With over 250 quality used cars in stock, there's always something for everyone at Blackstone Motors. Check out our used stock online at blackstonemotors.ie. I have to say I was really sad to learn late last week of the passing of Peter O'Reilly, Ireland's best known angler, originally from Cavan. He lived in Navin all his life. I had the privilege and pleasure of interviewing Peter on a number of occasions here on Late Launch and one in particular back in May 2011, the podcast of which will be available later. I want to play an extract from today in tribute to Peter who was laid to rest earlier today. Here in conversation with the great man, I asked him to name one artificial fly he wouldn't be without in his box when it came to trout fishing. Oh, it would have to be a clinkhammer special. Why? Um... It's a fly that was invented about 20 years ago by a Dutchman called Hans van Klinken. It sits, it's a parachute fly that sits half in and half out of the water. It is an extraordinary fly. It is very attractive to trout, very attractive. On river or lake? And on river or lake. And a lot of patterns nowadays you find, it, it, I suppose it could best be described as a generic pattern. In other words, it can be dressed in different sizes, in different colours, from jet black to represent a black gnat, you know, the tiny black gnats on the river, to uh, red and uh, olive to represent an olive, uh, and so on. But it is a deadly fly. That's the one you wouldn't be without. And for salmon, if you had to throw over a salmon. Oh, God, no. um, I I wouldn't like you to tie me to one fly for salmon because, as I explained, salmon fishing, there are different tactics. I'll start at the beginning. The first fly I put on in January, February is a a willy gun tied on a copper tube, usually about an inch long, inch and a quarter. But the fly itself, the hair itself, could be three inches long. Uh, Fish it. See, this is where the tactics come in. There's no good in fishing that on a floating line, not even on a sinking tip line. You must have at least an intermediate line with a fast sinking tip. You need to get that down to the bottom. Um, and uh, So that's one fly. And another one is the Cascade, Ali Gowan's Cascade. Uh, a very good all-round fly. A long fly, especially, it's a long pattern, a long tail. Um, a great fly for streamy water. Now, on the other hand, um, when I start, what fly would I start with on the top? And this is, people, most people won't fish this fly because uh, it doesn't look right. You couldn't catch a fish on that. I think back sometimes at the end of my season and I say, I caught more fish on that fly than anything else. And yet I never talk about it. Why? It's a fly called a mini tube. You fish it, it's a a tiny tube, half an inch long, with a little bit of black and yellow hair, and a size 16 treble hook. Tiny little thing. The idea is to keep it on the surface, and if I could tell you how effective it is. Again, I was at a fishery about four years ago, and on my course I had, I think they were bride and groom, they had got married on the Saturday. My course began on Monday, and somebody gave them a present 
of a fly fishing course to get them interested in fishing because one was interested in horses, the other was interested in skiing. Give them something in common. On the third day of the course, I bring people fishing. And I thought, you know, just quietly to myself, but didn't tell anybody, gosh, wouldn't it be lovely to get the bride a fish? But as I say, these fly fishing courses are run <laughs> when I've it's impossible to catch fish. fish. May not be there, yeah. So, yeah, got everybody in the class going, then brought the bride and groom and actually I helped him to get a sea tray to start with. Then I said, now I want to bring your bride down here to, and show her what to do. And he put on a mini tube in about 20 minutes. She had a salmon on the bank. <laughs> what a present. Could not believe it. But went in, there was champagne, great excitement in the bar. And as I was leaving the bar, one of the wiseacres there, a man called Mike Keneally, said, Peter, who caught that fish? I said, the bride, of course. I know he says it was the bride, but if you don't get one for the husband, you're in trouble. There's going to be ructions. Yeah. You won't believe this. I brought him out. I stood him on the same stone, told him what to do. And within, I'd say, five or six minutes, he landed. Well, he hooked a bigger fish, which he subsequently landed. So that's how effective a mini tube can be. On the in, surface. On the surface, in the, but doing, ma- moving it at the right speed and at the right depth. But What about okay. fishing in the area here, Louthan Meath, dominated by river fishing for trout? Dominated by river fishing for trout, yeah, and, uh, you know, we have a wonderful resource uh, at our disposal. Um, I would hope that anglers would treat it, uh, you know, as a sustainable, in, in a sustainable manner, that we don't kill everything. Um, because river trout fishing, they are very uh, vulnerable. In other words, uh, you know, people can catch, even on the fly, 30 or 40 trout in a day when things are right. Mm. Uh, so put them back so but you have that and people in other countries would give the right arm for that kind of fishing if you take the bine right from the top the stony for this this the the um leinster blackwater the the other river there at trim and all the way down and then into the main channel itself loads and loads and loads of trout fishing um with, with great fly hatches Mm. Uh, and of course it's the fly hatches that exercises the angler's mind or should exercise the angler's mind because trout sometimes but not always zone in on whatever's hatching whatever you know whether on their start or main course or dessert yeah and their main course at this time with mayfly it's as we main say course and we do of course yeah. have the dee and the glide and the fane and county sure. as well fine Absolutely. little trout rivers as well like the, the, the reports from from the dee and reports from the glide are absolutely fantastic i just can't find time to get there but people tell me i should go yeah, yeah. and the thing is respect to respect uh, the quarry don't yeah. kill them all. Let them back in because they are a precious resource. They are, yeah. And, and and that's what we depend on our sport for. And the more of them that's there, the, the best, the, the more sport we have. Because uh, fishing, people say, what do you get the most satisfaction out? When I get the trout to open its mouth and I feel the weight of the trout. That's it. Yes. Yeah, it's all over there. After that. Yeah, I've won. <laughs> have you a funny story to tell us before you go? Uh in your, from your career or times fishing? Uh, I suppose the one that stands out is that bride and groom. Right. That's the one that, that really... That yeah, really yeah. stands out. Yeah. To think in impossible conditions, two beginners who never had a rod in their hand before, and after about a day and a half's tuition, they were able to each catch a salmon. Uh, but as I say, it, it sounds easy. 
is not easy. It's the tactics you ad- adopt. For salmon fishing, I often think salmon fishing is a bit like an artist. You pull a stroke. And there are a lot of strokes to be pulled in salmon fishing. And it's a question, if one doesn't work, try another one. If that doesn't work, try something else. But don't keep doing what's not working. For yourself, uh, you're working away, as is, you're still writing, you're broadcasting, you're lecturing, you're still deeply involved. Yeah. You're doing a bit of fishing as well, it has to be said. Mm-hmm. But for somebody listening today who would be interested in finding out more or taking up the sport, you offer a teaching service. Yeah, I think... It, the way to go about it, I think, is somebody wanting to take it up, the first thing is you get your tackle right. That is a must. Uh, and it's not easy for somebody who knows nothing about it getting their tackle right. Uh, and the advice, go to some instructor, somebody who knows how to point you in the right direction because fly fishing tackle must be matched. If you don't have a fly fishing outfit that's matched, you're on a hiding to nothing. After getting your tackle, knowing what you're going to fish for, now learn to cast because, as I said earlier, fly ca- um, catching trout is about being able, and indeed salmon, is about being able to put the fly where the fish can see it. As regards learning to fish... This is where the trade secrets comes in. You spend the rest of your life. Right, Jerry? You're a fisherman. You spend the rest of your life learning to fish. That's why we're so absorbed Mm. with it. And you never know it all. You never know it all. And I think that is the Uh, real And the man that does think he knows it all (laughs) has a lot to learn. (laughs) Well, Peter O'Reilly knew so much. He taught so many people. His legacy will live on for years and years to come. And there's a fly tide called the Humpy. And I know in the circle I fish with at Mayfly time, it is the most marvellous pattern and it's Peter's tying. I just want to extend our condolences today to Peter's wife, Rose, and son, Patrick. May he rest in peace. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, your local Renault selection dealer. With over 250 quality used cars in stock, there's always something for everyone at Blackstone Motors. Check out our used stock online at blackstonemotors.ie. I met my next guests at the recent Mead Business Expo and promised we'd have them in for a chat about what they do on late lunch. Today's the day. Emer Duffy is founder of Fit Social Media. Melanie Boylan is director of Stomp Social Media Training and the pair collaborate to provide social media workshops to a whole range of businesses. And today, folks, I need not remind you, it's the space and place you got to be right up to speed with if you want to succeed in business. Emer, Melanie, you're very welcome to late lunch. Thank you for joining me. It's great to see you both again. Thank you very much, Sherry. Thank you. If I could start with yourself, Emer, maybe you'd tell listeners who you are, what your business background is and how you've come to this social media scene. Hi, um, I am from a very traditional background in marketing. Um, when I started out, there were no websites and there was definitely no social media. I worked for a range of different companies. Um, I worked for uh, the Irish Stock Exchange. I've worked for Disney. I even worked with St. John of God's, marketing people's abilities as opposed to their disabilities. Um, and then um, I took a career break and three little angels arrived. And they got bigger and bolder and started going to school. And I thought, well, maybe I should go back to school because <laughs> things have changed. So um, so I upskilled and uh, went into web development and then into the social media angle because uh, websites need traffic and social media brings traffic to websites. And um, I went to a blogging workshop uh, about two years ago 
and um, I met a very interesting individual who uh, creates live content for exhibitions and events and her name is Marie-Claire Bayard of Now Media and through um, different um, events and working alongside her I met Melanie Boylan who is sitting here beside me and um, it's kind of moved on from there. You say an interesting thing, websites, but it's social media drives the traffic to the websites. That's Mm -hmm. a key factor. Yeah. Not the other way. You don't get it working the other way at all. You might Google up a web, you know, and then you might see if they're on social media. But a lot of people are, would start maybe on Facebook Mm. and then they would find a very interesting article that could be a blog from um, a a website. And uh, that's Kind of it leads them in that way there. Exactly. May I say you have a very interesting background and experience with those organisations that you yep. mentioned there a moment ago. You bring an awful lot to the party. Let's meet your sidekick, Melanie Boylan. Welcome to Late Lunch. Good to see you too again. What about you? What's your story? Well, it's not quite as comprehensive as Ema's here. <laughs> um, I've been online since I was um, quite young. Um, so, say from my early 20s, quite early 20s, I've been online and I... W- been managing website forums and that sort of thing and over time as each platform came out I would move over to them so Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, each of them as they came on and over time um, after working for a few charities over here um, I was discovered by a magician and he said how do you do that I'd love you to show me how to do that and that's how my business started I started training a magician on how to use social media. And it all took off from there? Yeah. So it is magic. (laughs) (laughs) There's an element in this as well. Um, For you, you mentioned a number of uh, the platforms there. And just quickly, and and both of you can come in on this if you want, where is it at today? You you know, your business is fit. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Mm -hmm. Where is it? Where is is, is it all happening? Or is it happening across them all? It really depends on the type of business you are and where your demographic is. You can't... You can't create a demographic that isn't there. And if your audience is, say, mothers, for instance, um, there's, they're gonna, you're going to find them mostly on one platform. And if it's business to business, you'll find them on a different platform. And sometimes you can spread yourself out on several platforms, but you need to be on the right ones. And are you diluting yourself if you do that? Is that an error? It can be. I have actually in the past, and I know Ema's done it as well, where I've pulled people off platforms because they're doing too much and they're spending so much time online, they're forgetting to speak to the people in the real world offline. Okay, so you must. this must be targeted. You must know which platform takes you yeah. to your uh, audience, yes. uh, your potential customers. You mentioned the mums of an age. Are they Facebook mums? Uh, well... Maybe Instagram as well. Mostly Instagram, yeah. And and I'll be honest with you, they can be... um, Mums are having children much later now, so the younger people would tend to be on Instagram and the 30s up would be on Facebook. Yeah. Okay, so so it's when you move into the 30s and beyond. Is Twitter relevant or, or, or so relevant? Yeah, because uh, especially if you're uh, a business owner and they start to go to events and it doesn't matter whether you have the big stand there or even the smallest stand, if you're not engaged and you're not consistent on Twitter and you're not following, the, say, the event hashtag, you won't be noticed. Mm. 
So you have to be engaging that way. So it has its place in that type of environment as well that you're talking about there. It does. But also, um, I think Twitter is very good for um, everyone because there's things that you maybe wouldn't find on Facebook that you could engage on. If there's things that are trending, for example, you know, like uh, today would be hashtag Monday motivation. And anybody that does a tweet out there with that hashtag will be... um, Noted. Yes. You know? You'll be picked up on. Oh, yeah. And you're seen. Yes. Is it possible to be too exposed? You know, or we mentioned about spreading thinly there across the mm. platforms. But is is a plethora of exposure? You know the way people are tweeting incessantly? Yeah. I always say... Um, Maybe less is more. You don't have to be, you know, posting more than once on Facebook a day could just start turning your audience off. Um, With uh, Twitter, you know, uh, do out a couple of tweets. Yeah. But, you know, retweet other things that would engage your audience as well. Yes. Um, And then with Instagram, um, maybe once a day as well um, with the right amount of hashtags. Because... You can overkill on hashtags, say, on Twitter and on on Facebook. And when you do that hashtag, just to explain to people who mightn't be understanding of it, you're picked up. Is that what it is? That hashtag, whatever you say? The hashtag is a topic. So, for example, hashtag radio. Yes. Um, And then maybe, uh, like yourselves, you'd have a branded hashtag would be hashtag LMFM. Yep. Okay. So, um, depending on the the topic. Mm. um, And then you can... um, broaden that in uh, hashtags that are relatable to that as well. Okay. I noticed you too doing a lot of uh, tweeting about being here today with me and I was retweeting and Sinead was as well on behalf of the station and that's the way it works. It it spreads the word. The message gets out there. That's what it's all about. Um, How did you, remind me again, you you said you met, how did you meet or how did you start collaborating? Um, From a formidable networker called Marie Claire Bayard of Now Media Live. Um, she got us together a couple of years ago and we've been working together ever since, either at events um, with Now Media Live mm-hmm. or on events that we run ourselves. Mm. What about um, this uh, Mead uh, small business group on Facebook? Have you set that up? Is that yours? I, I set you that have. up, yeah. You um, Beamer, yeah. I uh, see that, you know, there are other ways of networking, but I find small business people maybe don't really want to start going off to events for the day and um, want something that will help them meet other businesses where they can either be referred from or collaborate or do business together. Mm. And um, I'm finding that it's starting to grow and people like the relaxed attitude and um, it's nearly like saying, oh, we'll go off and meet up once a month and I, I call that Let's Connect. And by then you can meet face to face. So you have the online presence as well as the offline presence. And then people get to know, like and trust the other businesses and maybe not see them as maybe a competitor to them. Maybe there's something they can collaborate with, collaborate on and um, maybe do better together. That is an interesting aspect of this that I've come to recognise from people as well, that that community that's created. Yeah. Loud chat is there, I know, just talking about the loud mm. side of things, you have this as well, that that networking thing helps one another, even even if you're in the same type of business, yeah. to, to, to lift business. It's not, yeah. I know it's cutthroat, but, but there is no. a big benefit you're saying to me there. Yes, yes, yes. hugely. Yeah, um, there are two... Um, uh, 
members of the Made Small Businesses and they would both be in the, the tech game and they're actually now collaborating on a project together. Isn't that terrific? There are so many different ways um, that small businesses can benefit from these types of Facebook groups. Um, as, a, as an example, Me Small Businesses has only lifted off really in the last year because of people actually starting to collaborate and talk to one another. And it is a business to business forum. But there are other ways to communicate as well. And one of them would be the Women's Inspire Network, um, which I am a mentor of. And I've been a, a member and a mentor of them for a, about two years now. And they run online and offline events for networking because like Ema said it's so difficult for small businesses to afford the time to take a whole day out to go to massive networking events or like myself and Ema we've got um, young children we need to get to school I can't take part personally in early morning networks especially every week because it's just too time consuming mm -hmm. so there are avenues um, that we should all use and the, I would always advocate and I know Ema shares this with me um, the local enterprise office they run amazing networks available to all small businesses and you know they do really really um, cheaper range of courses you know heavily subsidized and like her I did the start your own business course um, as you can tell I'm not a local Jerry so I don't have the benefit of networks here and so I had to develop a network myself yeah. and to do that I went to the local enterprise office and then swiftly followed by groups and then also by the Women's Inspire Network. We'll have you as a, an EU local if that vote you know does or doesn't happen don't worry about that Melanie we're very welcoming here in this country. Emma, coming back to you again, and, and I mentioned to you earlier on about your vast experience in a previous life with where you worked. I'm just thinking today, somebody listening who's a small business, maybe a sole trader, people on their own who haven't paid much attention to this. Can you actually really help them go in there and sort things out and put them on the right track? Yes, um, I uh, used to say years ago before I um, went down this road, as they say, I used to call myself a viewer and not a doer. I will take people from zero to hero, um, marketing their own business and feeling better about it. Um, I had uh, worked with one lady in particular and she was afraid to tell people she had a website because she didn't know how to work social media. <laughs> so I had to get her, take her aside. It's amusing, isn't it, when you think of it? Yeah. And, and you know how that is just purely so essential today, mm. you know. So I, she was going to the Plying Championship, so I trained her up in three sessions on Twitter. I'm, I'm very much like bang, bang, bang. You know, I don't mess around with your timetable. We work together. And um, she went down to the Plowing Championships and was using the hashtag Plowing2018 away to her heart's content. And she was really proud of herself and very happy. And it benefited our business. Yes, it did. That's the key factor here, isn't it? Mm. That This is the space, just coming back to yourself, Melanie. And I say it again. And, and when you look at the figures today for uh, sales on the high streets, as they call them, or the main streets in these countries, the centre of our towns, there's been a struggle in November and they think that December even this year may be tough because of the whole online thing that's happening. This is the way of the world. It's where it's going, isn't it? Yes, online sales are going up every single year. Um, we do frequently watch the figures, um, especially coming up to this time of year. Mm. And it's putting the smaller businesses out of business, um, you know, with the shops. Um, so if you're not you don't have a presence online if you don't have an e-commerce website if you don't take advantage of the online trading vouchers to ensure your business has an e-commerce section you're missing out 
products. So what you're saying is that if, if you're out there trading today in a shop or a premises or a business, you must have this behind it because if you don't, you're disenfranchised. You're in big, big trouble. Well, it's easier. I don't want yeah. to be alarming. I know. Um, it depends on the product and it depends on the service. It doesn't suit everybody mm-hmm. and you don't have to do it immediately. You don't have to wait until you're absolutely and completely set up before you start. Okay. So you can start your business without an e-commerce, mm. build up some reputation, get some excellent testimonials, and then add it on later. Mm. Websites, I, I know, Imar, you, you, yeah. you're, you work with developing, etc., and you place a, a big store on them. Come back to that again. Can you operate without one and just go the so? Because you said, you know, the social media, media drives people to the website. Mm-hmm. Can you just operate on social media and not bother with a website? You can, yeah. Um, but I would say don't rely on just one platform. If you haven't got the, the means to have a website yet or you're not sure what you want to have on a website, I would have two platforms. So say, for example, it's a restaurant. I would have Facebook and Instagram because it's very visual and people eat with their eyes. And uh, I would say then start to get a feel for what people are interested in and then maybe sit down and decide that a website would be the next step for you um, because a lot of people have expect when they on, you go onto Google you're looking for something and if there's not a website mm, this doesn't look good mm. they, if there's Facebook and Instagram or, or even Twitter they might feel that you have a more you have a bit more credibility then, you know? Melanie's tweeting away here or something <laughs> at the minute as we speak, I have to tell you there. She's letting you carry it there for a moment. I just where are you? Were you doing yes, something there? Were yes, you? Yeah. yeah, so you this is, brings me to a point. Is it twenty four seven? Well it is for us, definitely, because yep. we're paid to manage people's platforms mm. so it is 24 7 or within reasonable hours i mean i am entitled to sleep and and that <laughs> well occasionally um <laughs> but i just wanted to bring up before we go off topic yeah. um there is one of the most successful cottage industries i've ever come across who doesn't have a website called snuggle puff crafts based in greystones and she's so exhausted that she takes the whole month of august off every year because she works so hard um, and, you know, that's when you see how successful some businesses can become mm. because they've built a strategy, they understand the platform and they more importantly understand their audience. They're putting content up at the right time and targeting and they're also doing Facebook ads. Talk to me about that right time of content going up. Well, when you first build up a, a Facebook page, um, what a lot of people s- seem to neglect is the fact that there's analytics completely free on the page called Insights. And when you go into your insights, you can see what type of people like your page, what time of day they are on there, what kind of posts or videos um, are actually attracting them and engaging them properly. And once you've understood that and you keep following that, you can actually produce content that suits your audience. And remember, if you're selling a product or a service that suits people between the ages of, say, 20 to 60, you can't sell the same image and same product to all of the people in that sector it has to be you know 20 to 30 30 to 40 because they all do things in different ways Mm. and you know they're in a different place for for the purchase so it's understanding your audience Mm. and Um, that analytic analytics is there for you it's ready made it's free so you know the way we had to do all this research years ago you know from your marketing to find out who it is it's sitting there it is and the great thing about it is 
How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The key to any kind of content you put out is it's like A-B testing in some ways because... You know, not um, everybody wants to just look at video all the time. They might like the idea of, you know, uh, content uh, that has maybe a podcast. Um, uh, so you know, audio. Yeah. Audio. Video. Yeah. You see script, pictures, movement, non-movement. Is it important to... It's a good blend. Yes. A good blend. That's important as well, is yeah, it? Yeah, it is. The bland spiel and all this writing and that. You get bored of that, don't you, very quickly? People yeah. buy from people. People buy from people all the time. It's not from brands per se. There, There is a relationship that's already there. They've already, like Nike, and they've already put a person behind the brand. Hmm. And there's a relationship there already. That they don't even need to advertise So anywhere. there's a point, because the relationship I love is going into a shop <laughs> face-to-face stuff. No, yeah. I do buy online as well. But you make a very interesting point that that, personal relationship still exists it's not just a cold calculated transaction no yeah the other thing people forget about and they're a bit wary of that um, okay video is king but also Facebook lives Twitter live and Instagram live are the most high ranking of the content that's out there so that's why we always try and suggest to business people to do Facebook lives because then people get to see who the person is behind the business Mm. that's a very visual thing is right it also depends on what you do because um, Social Media Examiner which would be a platform that myself and Ema and other people in my type of industry would use have recently stopped doing Facebook Lives and they're moving all of their live content to YouTube because for them Facebook Lives aren't working. So it really is a case of testing the waters and if it's not working stop doing it. Is this changing all the time? Yeah. 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 And and that's the customer or the the, the general public out there the people you're trying to get to. Their preferences, how they like it, that swings. But again, I was going back to the Facebook Live, small business people 
wouldn't really be that interested in YouTube. So yeah. the bigger brands, maybe, but the yes. smaller, you know, um, guy it's down the road. It's a good fit for them. Yeah, because then they, their their customer base, who maybe in the Facebookers, you know, people yes. that like um, would enjoy that, you know, mm, and go. Mm. There's uh, one of the super values down the road. Maybe are doing a, a Facebook live, um, mm. and uh, that could be really engaging. They go, oh, I must pop down and see what else they're doing. Yes. You know that way. So, but the YouTube is, and I know that mm. it, it is a growing one as well. So, who are the influencers here? Who's dictating the trends and where they're going? That's a big question, isn't it? It is a very big question. Mary Smith on Mary Smith would be Facebook, definitely. Yeah. Um, and you know, even personalities. Because remember, we're talking about people. Mm-hmm. And one of the why the reason why I'm who smiling. Is, who is, tell me, who is Mary that Smith. person you're talking about? Mary Smith would be the queen of Facebook. Yeah. And why? Because she was first. Um, bringing social media training about Facebook to the general public. In fact, she got so good at it, she was picked up by Facebook to represent them on a tour around Europe okay. and um, internationally as well. Okay. So that's why she's referred to as the queen of Facebook. Um, and, you know, I've had the opportunity to speak to her on a one-on-one basis in the past as well um, in my position as a journalist at Irish Tech News. So when you get a scoop like that, you don't miss it, really. <laughs> mm, mm. The other thing is, where is this going? Where, where you know, you talk about face, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube at this stage. Do you see a time like we remember <laughs> 10 years ago or 20 years ago <laughs> that in 10 years or 20, this will be replaced by something else? Is that inevitable? Yes, Change is inevitable. And the yeah. only reason why people don't um, change is because they don't like to change. Not, no, They have to change. They have to embrace it. And that's why our generation uh, have seen the change from not using social media to social media. And my children have never known any different. Mm. Yeah. That's where it is, isn't it? It yeah. is about these mm. devices and what goes on there. But it's even my, I have a couple of teenagers and they would use, um, say, Snapchat and Instagram um, more so than I would. Um, and it's a more of a communication thing for them. Yes. Where um, I still like to pick up the phone and speak to people, you know. You can't beat it or I know. Go for a meal with them, have a drink with them. It'll never change. The world will keep on turning and we'll be back to it eventually. Lovely to meet you both in studio today. If people want to find out more about you and what you do, how can they contact you? Well, you can look up my website. You can look up my website on stomp.ie, S-T-O-M-P dot I-E. And I'm fitsocialmedia.ie. I love that fitness. Thank you very much. You don't have to move a muscle and you'll be fit for business forever. I'll get you fit. (laughs) (laughs) I'll take you up on that, Emer. Anyway, thank you so much. Lovely to meet you in studio. Wish you well with what you do. But uh, for the moment, Emer Duffy, Fit Social Media, and Melanie Boylan from Stamp Social Media. Thank you both for joining me on the show. Thank you. Thank you. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, your local Renault selection dealer. With over 250 quality used cars in stock, there's always something for everyone at Blackstone Motors. Check out our used stock online at blackstonemotors.ie. Dundalk Credit Union, congratulations to them. Their 50th year, very special time. And they've teamed up with uh, the Dundalk Institute of Technology and organised a fabulous musical performance of Requiem Marvna uh, by highly acclaimed composer Odrino Casadia. And it's uh, happening for three very worthy causes. St Patrick's Parish Soup Kitchen, St Vincent de Paul and Dundalk Simon Community. What an evening. The Garda Band, Shibale, Zoe Conway, musicians from DKIT. And it's happening 
this Sunday the 16th of December at 8 o'clock in St. Patrick's Cathedral in Dundalk. Tickets are a tenner and a five or five euro from Dundalk Credit Union for their members. Would you like to go along to that special Christmas concert this coming Sunday at St. Patrick's Cathedral in Dundalk? I have two pairs of tickets to give away today. Here's the question. What's the Irish word for Monday? The Irish word for Monday, please, to 086-1800-658 by text or WhatsApp and we'll pick a couple of winners before the end of the show. She's back. Yes, problems of a personal nature to be dealt with the next while by counsellor and psychotherapist Barbara Kelly. Barbara, really good to see you again. Thank you for joining me. Uh, We're on the holiday season theme today and I ain't surprised. Let me begin with this one for you. My heart is breaking, Barbara. This will be my first Christmas without my dad. He was my best friend and I'm lost without him. He passed away six months ago and I thought I was doing okay, but all of a sudden I can feel myself getting anxious and just dreading Christmas. Christmas. I actually don't know how I'm going to get through the day as I'm always the strong one and I know my mum and sister will be struggling so I can't let them know how I'm actually feeling. I just want to go to bed and wake up on the 1st of January. How can I get through Christmas without breaking down? I'd say that question echoes feelings yeah, of many people absolutely. at this time. Absolutely. I think so many people will, will relate to that. You know, the first of anything, whether it's a birthday, anniversary, and in this instance, we've got the first Christmas after, you know, we've lost somebody is so difficult. We can busy ourselves most of the other days during the year. You know, you're busy, you're trying to get on, whether you've got kids to kind of keep you occupied, or you have a job, you know, we busy ourselves generally. And then there's these occasions, the first, the firsts, as I always call them, kind of the firsts of these things. And then all of a sudden we have a, a reminder that this person is gone and, and, you know, there's like this gaping hole. And I think it brings back the rawness. And often people talk about, you know, almost like, grieving all over again and they even mm. question you know did, have I actually even grieved here I am six months later and it's almost like it, it's happened all over again mm. so I think in this this is a really good example of a, what a lot of people will really relate to um, and especially look Christmas there's a huge expectation on everybody to be happy and jolly and look let's be honest most people aren't happy and jolly but we kind of all have this expectation and we put this pressure on ourselves that we should be all happy and we're not and then particularly somebody who's going through the grieving process um, and this can relate to you know whether if you've lost somebody um, if somebody's passed away but also the loss of a, of a relationship as well if there's been a relationship breakdown as well again it's the first and it's the rawness and it all comes back up so I think in this situation this this um, listener really needs to just be compassionate and gentle with, with themselves and just remember that um, a lot of people will be feeling very similar. And, you know, I, I hear in this, this, this sort of sense as well of putting an extra pressure on him or herself to be the strong one. Yes. And I think lots of people, again, can relate to that sort of sense of, you know, well, I can't now break down because, you know, everybody else needs me and I have this role. And, do you know what? Really... We put that role on ourselves to be, you know, this strong person. We're all human. Absolutely. If this person is feeling really sad and overwhelmed, it's OK to show it. And if anything, it will actually help to bring perhaps the family members together to, so that they can support each other. Not No one person can, you know, support everybody. They've got to support each other. Hmm. And often if we let ourselves be vulnerable, let the emotions out, you know, share with people that you're struggling, it actually can be a huge help to be to get that support so we can support support one another as well as you know we we don't always have to be the strong backbone we can we can lean on people um so i would say this christmas you know perhaps have a chat with the other family members and come to some kind of a plan and agreement that look this christmas it may not necessarily be what 
all the other Christmases have been. But maybe make it a different type of day, you know, maybe get some food that they all enjoy. Maybe, you know, have a plan of what they're going to do. They may choose to go to the grave or they may choose to do something. And I think it's important not to try and avoid touching on that sensitive kind of area. Maybe have a set time that you can feel the sadness, sit with the sadness and then have other things during the day that can not necessarily avoid it, but distract it as well. So make the best of the day. Maybe have it as a relaxing day, nice Mm. food. Don't put the pressure that it's going to be at Christmas Day, because it's it's a tough day. It is a tough day. Very uh, tough. And the first year, as you, oh. you said as well, certainly not easy. But yeah. share it. Don't bottle it up. Exactly. Let people know how you're feeling. Lean on other don't people. Don't be the martyr. You know, no, other lean. people are really sad in that case as and well. And you know what? Sometimes we think we have to have this kind of role of being the strong person. But you know what? Nobody is strong all the time. So mm. if you let that barrier down a bit and say, I'm really struggling... I guarantee that there will be other people, whether they're close friends or the other family members, who will totally relate and you'll be able to get support through that. We wish you well with that. 086-1800-658 by text or WhatsApp if you want to ask Barbara a question today. Listen to this one. I want to cancel Christmas. I'm so upset. My husband and I separated a few years ago and our divorce was finalised this year, including the custody arrangements for our two children. As a result, he'll be getting the children this year for Christmas Day and I'm simply devastated. The thoughts of waking up without them fills me with dread. I'm crying all the time just thinking about it. How can I get through Christmas this year when the only people I want to be with with their dad do you know Mm. what I think this is something that's more and more common you know Um, and absolutely I have to say that as a mother myself my heart breaks at that thought of not being with my children on Christmas Day because it is that sort of you know again it's that image you have in your head and I think you know it really is it's a very emotive um, subject But I think it comes down to one major thing and that's choice. I think in this situation, this person has got to say, right, I can choose to absolutely sink into a depression about this, allow this to overcome me and this whole new situation to become a very negative one. So moving into the new year, there's a lot of negativity all around this new normal, as I'd call it, or this person might have to go, do you know what, I'm going to have to really adapt and make this work, create a new normal that actually, whilst, yeah, it's different and change is always dif- difficult, you know, and, and mm. but what are, what are the options here? Sync or really adapt and try and make the best of this situation. Um, and, you know, if you, I often think if you really put the focus on, say, the children in this situation and think, right, what is it they need? Yes, Christmas Day perhaps will be with their dad this year and hopefully they'll have a wonderful time. But it's one day out of the whole year. Why not say, right, I'm going to start creating new traditions and new normals and maybe say, right, if... if they're with dad, that means then that I'm going to create a different day as a special day. So it could be the Stevens's day or it could even be the 29th of December. We're going to go to the Panto. We're going to and actually start to create new normals. Mm. And then what will happen is everybody will adapt and the change won't be as drastic. But I think it's very important of how your mindset is looking at this. It could be something devastating, very negative, and that sets a precedent then, particularly for the children, that, you know, this change is bad and it's not. Look, it's unfortunate insofar as I'm sure everybody wishes that relationships were wonderful and worked, but that's not the reality. So it is about your mindset. Let's adapt and make this work. Because um, the power of negative thinking is 
incredible. You know, people don't always realise if you approach situations and you're really, you know, have a lot of negativity wrapped around it, it doesn't just affect, you know, your mood. It can really affect even your physical health. So your physical health, your emotional health, everything can be really dragged down. So I would just say in this situation, really make the best of it, you know, create another day and a new tradition. And also, look, take this opportunity to say, right, does that mean that now I'm on my own on Christmas Day? Well, do I have anyone else I would actually love to spend it with? Will I, you know, go to another family member or or will I have a day all to myself and actually make it a day of indulgence and do all the things that, you know, you'd love to do if you actually had 12 hours free to yourself? Yeah. You know, I do think it's how you approach this. You could make this really work. And remember, in 12 months, months time, I know it may not be a consolation they'll be yours and yes. the boot will be on the other yes. foot so it's just something to get yeah. prepared for as well. We have more questions for Barbara. Listen to this. Another one I'm sure that rings bells, no pun intended, this Christmas. My husband and I are married three months and we're so excited about spending our first Christmas together. In the past we always went home to our respected families. I see what's coming. However, our happiness is being destroyed by his mother. She wants us to come to her for Christmas Day so when my husband told her we won't be doing that this year, she became very upset and has accused us of being selfish and ruining Christmas for her and my husband's dad. I feel awful. I don't want to be mean and I keep thinking that maybe we should just go to keep the peace but my husband is adamant that we stand strong with this. I'm afraid that this will destroy the family this Christmas time. What should we do? Ouch. That's a tough one. It's really And a common one. Yeah, oh, very common. Look, change is never easy, is it? We've no. been talking about that no, and the other no. issues as well. You know, change is very difficult and it, it, different areas in our life can trigger different kind of feelings. And before now, they obviously had a tradition that he went to his parents, she went to hers, and that's the way it had always been. And now they're married and their life has, has changed. And they're they're at that point now where they're going to start creating new traditions. And that's difficult for some people. So... What do you do in this situation? Well, I think, you know, in this situation, um, this couple, they need to really start looking at what they want and what they need. And if they come to an agreement together as a couple, I think this is very important. If they both decide that this is something they really want to do at this early point in their marriage, then I think it's important that they, they, they continue and they do it. Perhaps maybe it's about compromise instead and to say, well, look, we really would like to spend our first Christmas together. That's what we've decided to do. But we would like to spend time with you as well. So perhaps we'll have a an evening, maybe Stevenson's Day or, you know, another day um, around the Christmas period and make that a day where his parents come over and they make a, a meal and a bit of a fuss over it. But, you know, if you don't deal with this now, mm. you're really pushing the problem down the line because what do you do then if there's two, three, four years time and it's then like now we want to change the tradition of us as a couple coming, you really do need to stick with it. If it's something that the couple really decide they want to do, well, then I think they just need to stick with it. Change is difficult, but the mother-in-law will have to adapt, you know, and I think it's about being gentle and sensitive and coming to a compromise and creating a new tradition. Why do people get so uptight about this? Those things in the past, so you've always been here for Christmas Day. I think there's do a people not understand that there's, you know, change. life life just rock and rolls round all yeah. the time, changing? But change, I think, when you think about life and how it naturally evolves and changes, some people are really good at rolling with that and if, mm. if, if things come along, they kind of just adapt. But other people may find it very difficult. And when change happens, sometimes it can be very anxiety 
inducing because we don't know what's going to happen. And this idea of, well, if that doesn't happen on Christmas Day, what does that mean? What will happen instead? Maybe it won't be as good. Maybe. And that can really leave people feeling in a very insecure place. So, you know, I think absolutely be sensitive to, to this lady. But at the same time, look, change happens. This is all about the new couple and their new traditions. So don't give your are. ground. Good man, stand, stand, stand your it's ground. It's not easy. I know, it's, it's not, not easy. easy. And there'll be many... Uh, there'll be lots more. ...an angst between now yeah. and Christmas Day, I'm sure. We'll get one more in, I'm sure, before we finish. Uh, let's read this one for you. Uh, I'm doing a great job of fooling others, but not myself. I can't go on pretending that I'm looking forward to Christmas because the truth is I'm dreading it. Once the Christmas music starts, the overindulgence starts too, the chocolates, biscuits, cheese, crackers, and then comes the booze. Every Christmas, I have at least one massive alcohol fueled argument with my partner. And as for the money I spend, I have often gone into credit card debt, uh, debt by buying so much. But I know I'll do it again. Um, I hate myself after Christmas and swear every year that it won't happen, but it does. How can I stop this Christmas from being a disaster? So two things there, the overindulgence, the alcohol and the spending. The spending, I think we can all relate to a lot of those. Well, I certainly can relate to the whole food side of it. You know, mm. I don't know what it is about the the fire is lit, the, 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 the Christmas tree lights go on and I suddenly find myself eating things that I would never eat during the year, like a selection box in one sitting. And, you know, I think a lot of people can relate to that kind of like... Never. Well, but she's telling you lies. <laughs> yeah, I wish Not, I was. I'm looking at her here today. Yes. She's on the show. But yes. of course, that time is to come over the next few weeks. What am I talking about? Oh no, about? it's go started on, on. already. We've oh, got the you? cheese and crackers and oh, us. <laughs> listen, I don't know what it is about Christmas. I think again, right. it's just, we think it's all right. And do you know what? There's nothing wrong with it. There is nothing wrong with letting your hair down, being able to just relax, enjoy. I think food is something to be enjoyed and shared with friends. Going out and meeting friends for drinks. There is nothing better and it's a great occasion to say, Mm. right, Christmas is all about that. Brilliant. But it's about balance. It's about being able to do those things and enjoy it and not going so crazy that you then end up creating the consequences in New Year, which is, oh my God, I've put on three stone. I am now in debt of 10,000 euro. You know, and this this happens a lot. Or that, you know, I drank so much that I fell out with all my friends or I had arguments with people. That's then the other side. So it's about balance. And, you know, here we have this sense of, you know, the, this listener saying about, you know, oh, losing control and eating so much. And, you know, what can I do? Do you know what? And I'm going to sound like a real L one. You got to take responsibility. It's a very childlike attitude to be saying, you know, like all these things are happening at me and it's all out of control. No, you're making choices to overindulge, to overspend, to drink too much. Yes, it's great in the moment, but you got to be a little bit self-disciplined as well and say, right, I want to really enjoy myself and eat lots of things. Brilliant, do it. But what about maybe during the weekdays, being much more conscious of what you're eating, eat very healthy and I'm not into strict diets and all of this because I kind of feel if you tell me not to do something I'll want to do it 10 times so it's like you know just be balanced eat healthy and then go out for your meals and, and eat your <laughs> crackers and cheese at the weekend um, if you're going to be to be drinking yeah don't drink during the, the week drink maybe at the weekend and be you know be very mindful of your limits because obviously the consequences with that with relationships is huge and particularly over Christmas and the money side as well look what are you spending the money on? Are you buying other people's stuff? What's that about? Is that to impress people? Again, it's about what are you doing and what is it that, you know, what what's motivating you to do it? Because you're going to have to sit in January and look back and go, did I want to do that 
at the time maybe, but what was it really about? So it's about balance. It really is. That's the word, I think, of the day. Balance. Yeah, balance is right indeed. And I couldn't agree with you more. We often look around after Christmas and think we're left with this stuff or we get this stuff. What do we do with it as yeah. well? Think this year. Don't go mad. Don't. Mind the money and look, we all enjoy a drink or two. Enjoy but it sensibly as well. You know what? Maybe well. instead of giving presents that cost ridiculous amounts, why don't... And I, I love when somebody says, let's meet and go for lunch. I would rather spend time, a couple of hours with somebody, have a laugh, share lovely food, go home and have that memory there and that lovely experience than have something in a box that I go never going to use it covered in dust I'll have to re-gift that <laughs> I'm with you all the way the experience is the thing John was on to say that couple uh, the message we got about where they should spend Christmas mm. we did it Jerry. we spent our first Christmas together uh, despite all the pressure and we've continued as we started so back then the so they've broken the mould yeah. as well Barbara Kelly counsellor and psychotherapist thank you for joining us on the show if people want to get in touch with you I'll leave my number at reception Off the main here. number yep. here. 1850 Happy Christmas Happy and Christmas. New Year. See you in 2019. <laughs> Thanks, Barbara. Bye. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, your local Renault selection dealer. With over 250 quality used cars in stock, there's always something for everyone at Blackstone Motors. Check out our used stock online at blackstonemotors.ie. Do you hear them? On cue, they do it for me. I think, David, they know me at this stage. Oh, my God, where has the time gone? I came out to you in June when they arrived as tiny little things, day olds. And I'm here, Christmas time, to say goodbye, David. Yeah, time flies quick, Jerry. Um, the turkeys arrived in June. They were six grams on average arriving that day. And today, on average, they weigh eight kilos. So uh, if you had a baby that grew that quick, he'd be five and a half tons. So uh, <laughs> Puts it in perspective, that, doesn't yeah, it? They, they're rapid growers. And uh, you can kind of see the fruits of your labor at the end of a six-month period, which is a great thing in farming. You know, to see the boards grow, you've watched them come up. You've take, taken care of them. We've had a beautiful summer this year. Uh, they've had great weather. The turkeys are all about a pound and a half heavier than last year. And uh, they, they look fantastic. The colours, uh, the plumage and uh, the goblin. And that's what you love to hear. They recognise your voice for sure. I've been here as well, uh, as listeners will know, on a number of occasions since June to see them develop and progress. Come back to the year that's been in it. What a summer. It was unbelievable. But these last few weeks, has it been testing for you with all the rain we've had? In all, in all honesty, it hasn't really been that testing. Uh, the rain only kind of started to take its toll about a week ago, you know. And rain and wind, I suppose, in combination are uh, problematic uh, at this stage. Just just for doors blowing. Uh, the turkeys don't like the wind particularly. The rain doesn't bother them, but it, it just creates a bit of muck. The only thing is now, we're, we're into the last few days. And at this stage, the rain in the last week really hasn't affected them very much because they've been in the last few days because you have to try and keep them nice and clean before they go uh, uh, to the processing unit. So um, at this stage now, they, they, have, they won't be going out anymore, you know. But uh, they've had a great summer. It's been very dry underfoot. They've had lots of sunbathing. Uh, you can see it in their feathers and the colours. They just look fantastic at the moment. They have a lovely shine uh, and uh, they've really had a good long spell outside, you know. And I look out at the extensive run they've had here. They've certainly pecked it clean. So they have the best of both worlds here. They get the excellent feed inside and they have the roaming as well. Yeah, the important thing is that the turkeys themselves were hatched in June because if you have turkeys that are hatched in September and you're letting them outside, they're actually not capable of really 
foraging uh, properly and uh, developing uh, a flavour and uh, ha- being a finished turkey at Christmas. Whereas these boards are fully finished. Like So you have a, any board in there that weighs between 10 and 25 pounds won't actually get any bigger. They are fully matured and that's uh, the way it should be for your turkey. That means you have a lovely plump turkey and uh, the centre of their breast is in a dimple at this stage and they're really well finished. And that's what I'm looking for. I want to take pride in what I produce. I don't want to produce just sort of a carcass with a bit of meat on it. What I have here is a small carcass with loads of meat, of lovely flavoured meat, with lots of fat under the skin, no translucency, and a lovely uh, turkey that when people actually see when they're purchasing it, it looks visually different than what's sold anywhere else. And I want to mention again, they are bronze turkeys. They're a beautiful flavour. I can vouch for that. I had one last year and I certainly will be this year again because they are delicious from Termin Feckin. But the flesh, snow white. Yeah, no, uh, people think that maybe a bronze turkey's uh, got different coloured meat, but they know that the breast meat is completely white. Uh, but what you do have is you have shorter muscle fibres than what you get in the traditional turkey that's sold in supermarkets and butchers. And uh, that means you have a much more tender meat. Uh, there's a little layers of marbling have developed in the uh, uh, turkeys that we have like just typically like a, a, an Aberdeenanga steak so the meat stays lovely and moist and that's really the, the time is how that happens it's time and we take the time it starts in June finishes now uh, and if you don't take that time you won't have that kind of turkey but uh, they, they're they real old traditional breeds and they don't grow huge so as I said we've ones in there that are 10 pound weight they don't get any bigger than 10 pound weight so that's their true finished weight we've ones bigger than that then as we go up but they're all sort of different strains of bronze turkey but all aimed at producing a really top quality board for the Christmas table you know I take it with the summer you've had, you've had damn all losses. Yeah, no, we, this year has been a great year for uh, growing. There's been no stress on the boards and, uh, you know, we've just had a great summer. The losses have been absolutely minimal. Uh, we've had maybe just a couple of turkeys that have just died of literally natural causes. Uh, but uh, we're talking on one hand, which is just fantastic, you know. Uh, I mean, you should have that every year. And most years you do. Sometimes it just runs against you and you might get maybe the turkeys get a cough or a a cold, literally a cough or a cold when they're five or six weeks of age and you might lose a few. But uh, other than that, uh, once they get outside and they're healthy and they're moving about and the the oxygen is going through their their veins, uh, you know, there's no reason for anything to go wrong. And really, it's been a great year for growing them, you know. How many have you on this extensive site here? Well, on this gr- in this group here, we have 2,300. And, uh, you know, they have basically eight acres to run around. They're split over three sheds on the on the uh, site. And it means that there's not too many in a shed at any one time when they do come in in the evening. And uh, But you can see that. They have plenty of space. And, you know, if you look at the boards, uh, they have full feathering all over. They've got lovely colours. There's no feather pecking they've got great legs you know we don't suffer from all the sort of problems they have in large houses where you could have up to maybe 16,000 turkeys so different different ball game what happens from here where does the dispatching happen yeah so uh, we kill in a, a plant uh, there are uh, people called McKeown's or uh, you know they're a long long time in the turkey business they process over 120,000 turkeys every Christmas uh, so uh, they be starting hours uh, this weekend and uh, it really only takes they do you know approximately five to eight thousand a day so all our turkeys will be done in one day so 
Uh, they're done in one day. We get them back two days later and then uh, we put them into uh, chills where they mature uh, for the next two weeks so that they're, you know, really in the perfect condition uh, for going into your oven, you know. Is that important, that maturing? It is, it is for our turkeys particularly because uh, they are a game board, essentially. And, uh, you know, a, a time hanging, like, you, you know, traditionally you'd hang turkeys. And you can hang turkeys from around the 25th of November. And what you're looking for is just a little breakdown in the muscle fibres for their... And that just lets the uh, sort of uh, meat cook better. It allows the fat to flow between the fibres and the turkey cooks really fast and you get a really moist turkey. And uh, that's why it's important, you know, not to actually kill too late. And especially with the type of turkey we have. So, um, yeah, so really happy that they'll be going this weekend. So the end of your year coming round and uh, as you told me before, you'll, yeah. you have a sabbatical then. Yeah, it's kind of a funny thing. Just now, like, it's extremely busy. So we've really early morning starts and really late finishes and that goes right through to the 24th of December and the work actually gets harder sort of from about the 10th of December onwards just you know in terms of time not maybe as physical but in terms of time dealing with customers dealing with orders and uh you know at the end you're absolutely exhausted you know you've actually lost the weight so that you can eat the Christmas dinner which is a great thing so I'm, I'm never overweight at Christmas I'm just trying to bring the weight back up to a normal you know little bit of a, a, a cushion so uh, but it, I certainly uh, I've been known to fall asleep on Christmas Eve at a dinner table in a restaurant it has happened Christmas Day once I sit down after I'm gone again so people have to keep nudging me to keep awake if you go on Twitter uh, you see all the farmers who do turkeys and the normal thing on Christmas Day and Stevens's Day is for pictures to be sent by their family or posted by their family of them falling asleep at the strangest places uh, and that's because we're all exhausted so, um, and a well deserved rest coming up early in the new year they're in the shed here this morning it's a nice bright crisp morning after a lot of rainy days do you hear them? They're, they're going to make a big gobble when they see you now because uh, when they see something strange, they react. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the colour of coat I have on me as well. As blue as the sky. Oh, look at them. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Oh, my God almighty. David, there. David. I just think back to that first day in June and the size of them, and look at them now. Yeah, they didn't make this, this much noise, Jerry. No. But uh, and, uh, they, when they see something different, they react. You know, they don't really pay much attention to me, but uh, they know you're different. But if you look around, you see all the males, they're all puffing up. Yes. And that's because they're with the females at the moment. The males have reached maturity and they're trying to strut their stuff uh, so that they impress the females. They've got lovely colours. You can see their wattle switches there. They're a little snee hanging down. They've got lovely red uh, around their neck. And uh, these are fully mature boards. And this is uh, what you don't see on most farms at Christmas. And most of the turkeys that are eating at Christmas never have reached this age to become mature like this. And that's why they can gobble. Turkeys only gobble from about 20 weeks. These are 24 weeks nearly now. And so they'll gobble. So if we say... It's the David McAvoy Orchestra. Yeah. <laughs> no, they are. They're wonderful, you know. Yeah. And the reaction, kids kids think they're absolutely fantastic when they see them, especially because they will react like this to every person they don't know, you know. So that means everybody that comes gets this reaction. You and know. you know, you're dead right. I'm just looking at the, 
the feathers on them and you, the colours. Aren't see, they magnificent? You can see, like, they've all got... They're all waterproof. You know, they've got wax on their feathers and, you know, they look fantastic. As you can see, they're not picked. They've got feathers up their necks. They have feathers everywhere. Uh, they're lovely and clean looking, you know. And if you, if you pick one up, you can see a lovely breast. Yeah. You can see how clean they are, Jerry, and how the, the feathers have matured. But you can see there's a dimple there in this particular turkey's breast. They all like that, so the meat is higher than the centre bone. And that's the important thing for people if they're trying to pick a turkey. They should always be able to put their hand flat on the turkey's breast and they shouldn't feel a bone. If they feel a bone, they're not getting a, you know, they're getting a tin turkey. Yeah. Uh, so always put your hand flat on the breast and you'll feel there's no bone. Oh yes, I can feel that. No, but yeah, uh, yeah, but yeah. you can see they're lovely. You know, the feathers look fantastic. Yeah. And uh, the, the real uh, thing is when, when my... Every year our turkeys go for processing. The vets, the Department of Agriculture vets have to inspect them. And the interesting thing is uh, they get to inspect maybe 200,000 turkeys at Christmas and uh, they order a turkey off me. So that's sort of one of the things that I, I'm looking for to see what happens at Christmas. And it's the same in the factories. The vets in the factories are looking at the turkeys coming through and uh, I always get the call saying, can we keep a box or two back because we want to kind of keep one of these for Christmas so that's the ultimate accolade the people who really sort of are involved in the industry uh, are looking to get one of these boards for Christmas rather than what else is produced out there you I know? think that says it all for listeners today if they're interested in finding out more uh, or ordering a board from you yeah, so it's pretty simple. Uh, they can go on to termandfeckanddelicious.ie. Uh, they can order online or they can give us a call um, over the phone. Uh, we'll take their order. They can collect here in Termin Feckin on the 22nd and 23rd of December. Or uh, we do uh, a delivery nationwide and deliver, and all turkeys are delivered uh, free of charge. It's, uh, it's in the price. Well, David, it's been... A wonderful journey with you this year from they started as little fellas back in June. Thank you for taking us through the year with your turkeys. And again, it's great to be here with them uh, for the final countdown. Do that for me again. Give me that call to the turkeys. We emerge from the shed and we say goodbye to them this year. David, thanks again for taking us on this journey from June when there were tiny little things to today. It's been amazing to watch them develop and you've done a fantastic job this year. And Mother Nature has been very helpful, we have to say again as well. Yeah, I've been one of the few farmers this year really who has had nothing to complain about. You know, it's been a great year. Most most of them have struggled, while I haven't, you know. I'm going to preserve that comment for yeah. posterity. <laughs> thanks very much, David. Thank, Thank you, you very Jerry. Much. Yes, that's it on Late Lunch for this uh, first Monday of a brand new week. Uh, I haven't played a Christmas song yet. Let's do it, Sinead. And who else? Bring me back a week to last Monday. The Queen in Green, Miss Kylie Minogue. See you tomorrow. Have one. LMFM with your local mace. Going the extra smile this Christmas for a season filled with magic. Chimney tonight.
Your local Renault selection dealer. With over 250 quality used cars in stock, there's always something for everyone at Blackstone Motors. Check out our used stock online at blackstonemotors.ie. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 